Now, the Sabbath is a sign. God commanded Israel to keep the Sabbath. It is fascinating. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are studying the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And this year is our 33rd year in doing it. It's very, very exciting. And as we study this in three minutes, we're going to talk about it and teach on it. It's going to be very, very good. But Corey is here and Ryan. Corey? All right. Today I'm talking about the golden calf incident. We're going to be talking about the images of idolatry and kind of what that means for Israel and for us. Ryan? Today, I'm profiling Aaron, the brother of Moses, and Miriam, and the first high priest of Israel. Excellent. Look forward to that. That's coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Janice in 25. Mm -hmm. A work of God. All right. So take your Bible, open it up, and let's listen to what God is telling us as we begin to explore Exodus 31. Exodus 31. 1 through 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons, to minister as priests, and the anointing oil, and sweet incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 13. Exodus 30, 31 and 32, that's what we read today as we continue going through the Bible in one year. It is very, very exciting and very good. And I want to tell you that in one day, or one day in seven, I should say, is to be a day of rest for us. Rest? Do you remember that? That is what God said and demonstrated for us in His Word, the Bible. The Bible? The book of God's words. Thus the heavens and the earth, and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, 
God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now notice that God blessed and sanctified the seventh day. Now, did God need to rest? No. He was showing us that we should rest. From that point on, the one day of the rest in the seven became the norm. And that is the Sabbath day. In modern Israel, they rest on the Shabbat, which is the Sabbath. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, it would do us well to also rest and honor God one day in seven. That's a good idea. While Jesus Christ became our Sabbath rest, that does not mean we should not dedicate a day to the Lord for rest. And we should. You shouldn't work all the time. People shouldn't just go to work and that's all they do is work, 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 work. You need to be able to rest, beloved. That's something important. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we focus on the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 13. And Father, I pray today that we would hear you. Help us, Lord, to understand what you've said about the one day of rest within the seven. Keep us close to your word and keep us focused on the way you want us to live instead of the way we want to live. In Jesus' name, and we said together, amen and amen. Now, if you don't have a Sabbath or if you don't have a uh, Bible guide, write to us or call us. You can get one or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on it and it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. But also it'll take you to a place where you can download the PDF files as we have printed them. Very important. Now, as we look at Exodus 31, watch this. Beginning with verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Beziel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in the cutting jewelry for setting and carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And this brings me to the first point, which is interesting. God called Beziel by name and filled an anointing with him, that is the Holy Spirit, to build the tabernacle. The Lord has called each Christian to build his kingdom, not our own. One of the problems we have today is we, we get up and we go work and do our own thing. But hold on a minute. God did not make you and me, beloved, to do our own things. He made us to do the thing which he called us to do. And so we need to pay attention to that, not look to satisfy ourselves but look to do what God has called us to do. Now, I can tell you that when we do that, God leads us because once a boat is in movement, God can steer the boat with the currents of the river in the right direction, beloved. But if we just, you know, sit there and we don't move, how can you do that? You've got to move the boat, beloved. And so we got to keep that in mind as we study this on. 36 verse 6, And I indeed, I have appointed with him, Aholiab, the son of Ahismach, 
of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the tabernacle and the utensils, and the pure gold lampstands with all of its utensils, or the, the altar, the incense, the altar, the burnt offerings, with all of its utensils, and the lever at its base, the garment of ministry and the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister as priest, and the anointing oil, the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Now we need to hear that God appointed Aholiad to help build the items and the utensils for the tabernacle. Now remember, each of us is given something unique and something different to help build the kingdom of God, beloved. We're given an ability, we're given a, a, a way to handle things in our lives that we build the kingdom of God. This is the main purpose of our life. We need to keep that in mind. That's important. Now look at this next verse, verse 12 to 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, now listen carefully because I talked about this in the beginning. Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now that's important. The Sabbath, the day of rest, is a sign. God instructed Israel to keep the Sabbath so that they would always remember it is God who makes them holy. We are not made holy by our own work or our own identity. Now this is fascinating. I want to tell you a story. I was so busy in the kingdom of God doing this and doing it. Have to do this, have to do that. I never rested, just went on and on until one day God stopped me. Physically, I was stopped and I couldn't help it. And uh, I was in the hospital and I said to the Lord, I need your help. And God spoke to my heart and he said, everything you are, Everything you can be is because of me. And I said, forgive me, Lord. I haven't paid attention to you. I'm going to pay attention to you now. Help me. And God restored me and brought me back. See, beloved, when we work, we can work for good reasons. But there's always the number one reason is to rest from work and to honor God. Beloved, whether we're in ministry, whether we might be the pastor of a huge, gigantic church with thousands of people, it doesn't matter. If we don't take a day and rest and honor God, then we are not going to live long, I guarantee you. We've got to take a day of rest and we've got to not run around and do what we want, but let's just take it easy on one day. That's very important, especially today as we move forward in our work and all that we have to do Father, help us to take a day of rest, uh, a Sabbath, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.
Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today our assigned reading is Exodus chapters 30 through 32. And it's in chapter 32 that we read about the tragic golden calf incident. And unfortunately, Moses' brother Aaron was at the forefront. Now, God was ready to destroy all the Israelites and start over with Moses, but Moses pleaded with God for the people. And you know what? God listened to him. Now, even though Aaron made a major mistake here, God ultimately forgave him and made him the high priest of Israel. And as I mentioned before, Aaron was the brother of Moses. He was the older brother. But unlike his younger brother, Aaron grew up as a Hebrew citizen in the midst of Israel's period of slavery in Egypt. It wasn't a good time for Israel. But Aaron and Moses, through God, would eventually bring the people out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. With that said, today I want to view this history through the perspective of Aaron. So let's go. Though he was born in the prosperous nation of Egypt, as a Hebrew, his life would be full of toils and hardships. Indeed, Aaron was born during Israel's 400-year period of slavery in Egypt. Although his infant brother Moses got passed off as an Egyptian and grew up in the royal palace, Aaron would not be quite so privileged. Still, despite these two very different upbringings, in time, the two brothers' paths would once again converge. And it would be with the same purpose of mind, to free the Hebrew people from their Egyptian captors and deliver them to their promised land. It was a plan orchestrated by God himself, who instructed the now 83-year-old Aaron to go meet his now 80-year-old brother in the wilderness. By this time, Moses had fled from Egypt after killing an Egyptian and had lived in Midian for 40 years. It had been a long wait, but the time had finally come to break the bonds of slavery off of Israel. So God commissioned Aaron and Moses to confront Pharaoh and free their people. Moses would lead the operation, but Aaron was Moses' mouthpiece. In fact, not only did Aaron address Pharaoh on behalf of Yahweh, but he also performed signs and enacted the plagues. Throughout the Exodus and wilderness wanderings, Aaron would remain in a leadership role, second only to Moses. Actually, Aaron would later be established by God as Israel's very first high priest, and his descendants would carry on in this holy service. Unfortunately, Aaron also had some moral failings. The most significant of these occurred during Moses' 40-day encounter with God on Mount Sinai, where he received the Ten Commandments. With Moses gone so long, the people feared that he and God had abandoned them. So they said to Aaron, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Tragically, Aaron submits to their plea and molds a golden calf, at which the people proclaim, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron's rebellion against Moses is another significant moral failure. Significantly, while both Aaron and their sister Miriam speak against Moses, only Miriam is struck with leprosy. Since Aaron was the high priest, leprosy, which would make him unclean and unfit for temple service, would have been a serious penalty. Indeed, Aaron and sons all served as priests before God though his sons Nadab and Abihu were killed by God for offering impure fire. Unfortunately, Aaron would also die prematurely. In fact, for Moses and Aaron's error at Kadesh, neither of them would be granted entry into the Promised Land. As per God's instructions, Aaron climbed Mount Hor, where Moses removed his priestly garments and put them on Eleazar, Aaron's oldest surviving son. It was upon this mount where Aaron died at the age of 123. You know, it's always tragic to read about this golden calf incident, 
this turning away, this resistance to the one true God. And in the New Testament, Stephen uses this event as a warning to the Jews. And he says in Acts chapter 7, verses 51 to 53, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. He's talking there about Jesus Christ. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. You know, this was a really powerful address by Stephen. In fact, it was so powerful that the Jews stoned him for it, adding yet another of God's messengers to the long list of murders. So let's take Stephen's address seriously. Let's not resist God. He says in his word that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from death and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to God the Father except through him. So the only question now is, what are you going to do with that? Will you resist the Holy Spirit, or will you allow him to move in your life? Yeah, it's really, that's a really good question, because there are a lot of people who have experience with God who they don't allow the Holy Spirit to move in their life. They shut him down. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that God's Holy Spirit is trying to direct us and teach us and show us. Mm -hmm. So that becomes very important. So thank you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Very good. Corey. All right. Well, I also want to take a look at this golden calf incident, uh, but I want to look at uh, some of the reasoning why it may have happened. Uh, It's not only... Uh, here in Exodus 32, where Israel falls into apostasy using the image of a cow or a calf. It happens later on in the scriptures as well. So let's dig right in and see what we can learn. Two major instances of idolatry in the Bible are directly connected with ancient Egypt. One occurred under the leadership of Aaron while Moses was delayed on Mount Sinai, and the other was initiated by Jeroboam after he successfully took control of a fragmented Israeli kingdom. These instances share the image of their idolatry, calves. Both took place during a vulnerable time of transition and so probably served to reassure and unify. So why cows? In the case of the golden calf incident during the days of Moses and Aaron, Israel had just escaped oppression in Egypt and had been traveling to the promised land, facing opposition and physical warfare on their way. They made a pit stop at Mount Sinai where Moses left them to go and receive instruction from God. When he didn't return, the people assumed him dead, themselves abandoned. They forced Aaron to make an idol for them to worship and inquire of for help. Why a calf? In the case of Jeroboam, who himself had just returned from taking refuge in Egypt, away from King Solomon, who had a price on his head, he was the king of a newly formed northern Israel. He had the allegiance of most of the tribes, but had lost the crown jewel of the nation, Solomon's Jerusalem temple. Jeroboam's answer was to set up two sacred areas within his territory so that the people would not travel back into his rival's dominion to worship or celebrate the feasts of the Lord. Again, Jeroboam's idols of choice were cows. While the full meaning of the golden cows may not be ascertainable, the connection with Egypt is likely not a coincidence. The ancient Egyptians worshipped a few deities that utilized bull and cow imagery. They had a sacred bull cult dedicated to the life and death cycles of the god of the underworld, involving cycles of worshipping, then slaughtering living bulls. 
Even more widespread was their worship of the cow goddess Hathor. She was sometimes depicted as a full cow and sometimes as a human with a cow's head or ears. The cow was seen as life-giving. She sustained life through her milk. It was even said of some pharaohs that they were nursed by Hathor. This cow goddess empowered, sustained, and imparted divinity to the king's rule. Due to Hathor's nature as a goddess of provision, it seems a natural possibility that in Israel's time of need, they turned to a familiar cult to rescue them, without a leader, in hostile territory, with vulnerable families. Likewise, Jeroboam needing to unify his people even further likely reached into his pop culture to provide an alternative. Justification for his apostasy may even have been pillaged from the imagery of the temple itself. The temple's bronze basin sat on 12 bronze bulls. These bulls were not symbols of God, but their association with the temple, strength, and even the 12 tribes could have paved the way towards cultural justification. Now, for me, when I'm looking at this, you know, it, it reminds me, it's so much easier for us when we're looking at things like this to, to kind of do an us versus them where we're like, well, that's Israel. They didn't know God. They didn't know Christ. They didn't have the, the fullness of the faith yet. So it makes sense why they messed up. And that might be a comfortable thing to kind of say. And, and it's partially true. Of course, they didn't have, they didn't know God's full plan of redemption yet. But the truth is, is that any one of us can make these mistakes. It's a very human thing. They were in a time of stress and danger and fear like many of us in the West don't know. We don't know what it's like to be stranded in the wilderness with no food or water with our children with us and, and being dependent on God for, for life. We, a lot of us in the West don't know what that would be like. So this makes sense that that the Israelites went back to a way of survival that they knew. And, you know, to do some personal application for a minute, this there are ways of survival that you and I have learned from our culture as well that aren't good. And we can very easily fall back on those ways of survival when following God becomes too hard. And these are softer, more subtle ways of idolatry. Like Israel actually made an idol. They actually followed it. It was black and white. But for us, it can be really subtle. So this is why we really need to self-reflect. We really need to meditate on the word of God and the ways of God and pray and ask God for help in you know our, our time of quiet with God every day. Where is it? How can I follow you more? How can I be more like you? And um, yeah, self-reflection is, is necessary because a lot of the ways that we fall back onto our culture uh, is, is more subtle. It's, it's interesting because we're in a medium right now, television and internet and all that, which is all designed for comfort and to help people. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the law of God, which is very uncomfortable. And uh, so that's the true, that's the reality of it. So very good, Janice. And isn't it true that we are a work of God mm -hmm. and this is a daily, it's a walk. And sometimes you feel like it's all uphill, mm -hmm. don't you? And other times you feel like you're coasting and, and, what you're talking about in spending time in reflection, spending time with God, because we are a work of God and we need to get his word. We need to spend time with him. And, and we see this as the artisans for building the tabernacle were given gifts. They were given talents that they could use by God's spirit. And the same with you and I. 
God has given us talents and abilities and things that we can do to build his kingdom and not our own. But in order to do that, then we have to give our life over to him. And, and then it switches into the Sabbath law where the people were commanded to, to take one day in seven and, and set that day as a day of rest, that this would be a sign. And of course, we know that Jesus Christ is that sign. He is that Sabbath rest. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 12, if you're brand new to the Bible and you go to the very first book in the New Testament and you go to the 12th chapter, Jesus talks about that he says, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is because we cannot do work to earn our salvation. There is nothing that we can do to work our way to heaven. I know that some people have their faith built on that, that there is something that we can do to earn our salvation. If we're just a good person, then we'll get to heaven. It's not the truth. That is not the truth. The truth, the only way to the Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ gave Himself as a sacrifice for us. That's what we're learning as we're going through the, the Old Testament. Some people find it very difficult reading or that there's a lot of uh, blood and issues uh, of things in there that are hard for us to understand. And what it's helping us to do is to understand the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid with his own life, with the shedding of his blood, so that we can be saved. And this is what's so important, that we cannot earn our salvation. When we understand what Jesus has done for us, then we can make a decision to give our lives to him to serve and follow Him, not because we're commanded to, but because we see the great love that He loved us first, even in our sin. And now, because He gave Himself, we just fall in love with the Lord Jesus, don't we? And we want to learn and follow Him. He is our rest. Jesus is the one, and we need to give Him time. We need to spend time with Him. What a privilege and a blessing and an honor that is for us. Do that. Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 3.30 to 4.30, we have a live prayer meeting. We want to invite you to join us on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Bible Discovery TV, and I encourage you. We're going to be there. We've got a lot of things on, on the internet, more things than on television or on the internet. Join us, and we'll do that. That's, that's Eastern Time, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern Time. We'll see you there. And today we need to pray, Lord, Help me as a believer, as a Christian, to learn what Sabbath means. 